Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's going very well, thank you. How's it going with you? I'm all right. If you see me moving uncomfortably, it's because I'm smuggling a hot water bowl. Like <laughs> I do the same thing. This is like a rare occasion that I'm not. But I do it even when I go outside. I put it under my coat and I'm like, mm-hmm. toasty. So I, I recently got bought some USB um, hand warmers. And they like they were sent to me at work and no one's told me who bought me them. We 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 found them as a joke. And then someone sent me them, and now I have these toasty hand warmers at work. But today, I feel like all the best presents start as jokes, and then you're actually like, you know what? It's life changing. Thank you. It was way too functional. For... <laughs> We're currently passing them around between our team, <laughs> who needs them the most of the day. Now they all want them. You see. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. I feel like we we've I've known of you for a while as a person, but I can't think if we've ever actually been in the same room together. I so I thought you might ask this, and this makes me sound like a huge stalker, um, but. I'm going to continue. We have been in the same room once before, um, and it was in the blue room in the Lincoln Lawns, and it was like a poetry reading evening or something similar. Um, I can't remember what it was for. It was something like for charity, I think. There was like Um, a, I've been to the blue room maybe twice, I think, and I think I've been for a play, and I think the other one was a women in the arts. That is it situation yeah it was the women in the arts and I think you stood out mainly because you're one of the only men that were there and I was like hey I was like <laughs> same room um so that, that was the one time I can remember but um I feel like this fits nicely with the topic that I wanted to talk about because yeah. if it wasn't for the internet I wouldn't know anything about you I mean that still sounds kind of stalkerish I won't lie but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, 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 does, that does present the question. So, yeah, I feel like we're going to have a slightly difficult time, but also quite a fun time going back and forth on the amount of information we won't tell each other about each other. Yes. But we'll, we'll get to that in a moment because I'm going to start with the first question, which is, who are you? Oh, yes. Hello. Um, so my name is Spurge. Um, I mean, it was a nickname that was unwillingly given to me, really, when I was 16. So we're talking like almost 20 years ago now. Um, but my real name is Sarah. Um, people call me Spadge because unlike what um, Google says, if you Google it, I recommend not doing that. Um, <laughs> it means sparrow. So it's like a kind of helpful stealing food off people's plate, generally sparrowing around. That's where that name came from. Um, and I'm a copywriter and I write all day, every day for a number of clients. And I also, similar to you, I like collecting things, not necessarily mugs, but um, yeah, I love collecting knickknacks. And yeah, that's kind of, that's me really. Yeah, the thing which I hate doing, which is like proofreading and editing and all the stuff for copywriting, which I avoid, essentially. So why don't you like doing that? Oh, because I'm bad at it. 
I, I have, it makes sense. I have a I have a grasp of grammar, but I, I write <laughs> like I speak, which obviously means that the punctuation just kind of disappears, and then people get very specific about these things, and that makes me dislike it more because it's the, it's one of the few things which I do which my brain reacts like a toddler. I see. Where someone yeah. corrects me on something, and I'm like, right, well, I'm just going to do it worse then because. Because you're a rebel. But I think that's okay. And I think that gives copywriters a bad reputation as well, because everyone thinks, oh, you know, you're going to be grammar police. You're going to call me out on all the things that make me self-conscious. And weirdly, I work with an accountant who specializes in just working with creative people. And he says he normally turns down copywriters because they kind of pick at his grammar. And I'm like, I am not like that. Like, I think communication is about more than just grammar. I think it's about sharing your story rather than the specifics. You know, I couldn't tell you the difference between a noun and a verb. Like some copywriters are really into the technical stuff like that. I just like writing in a way that touches people's hearts. That's how I would sell that. Yeah. So you can you can use all the wrong grammar as long as I know what you're saying. You know, you can be a great writer without it being technically perfect. Yeah. Does it make you feel better? it, I mean, it makes me feel better. I think I think it's also one of these things of, so the way I approach creating things is very much along the lines of, of take what I'm given and then adapt whatever I'm given to the message which I'm trying to create. So like when I paint, it's very rare I'll do anything by the book in terms of painting, like correcting correcting like the right colors, doing a color palette or anything like that. I just throw paint at a page and say, yeah, this is good. This is exactly what I want to do. So when it comes to words, I I do exactly the same thing. Like I've written books, which I've never shown anybody. And oh. most of them are along the lines of me just going, well, this is just free thought. And I, I can ignore all writing rules because this is what I wanted to do at the moment. I love that. Yes. I applaud that. Keep going. <laughs> as soon as someone says, I have something I've never shown anyone. I'm like, can I see it, please? Please? <laughs> I think I've I think I've, I've sent like a chapter or two to people, but there's there's um, books which I have just on hidden on a hard drive somewhere which I've just never done anything with because no, no. Wow. I mean, I do publish things. I've written comics and stuff. Do you ever think like, what if it becomes your legacy? Like, you know, if something tragic happens to you and someone goes through all of your stuff and like publishes all of your hidden stories and you become like the most famous person ever and you'd never know. Do you ever? <laughs> I, I I like the idea of being unappreciated in my own time. <laughs> I can see that about you. Yeah, there's a, there's a god complex somewhere sitting in the back of me behind <laughs> this modest face, which just basically just says, you, "Well, you're the best person ever, Graham." So you know, they just don't that's realize true. it yet. <laughs> I see. I see. I mean, that's great confidence. I keep that day <laughs> behind everything else. It just sits there and goes, "Okay." Well, I need the praise, like for sure. One hundred percent. I'm off is it. I need like if I do something amazing, I'm like everybody needs to know about this, like instantly. I mean, we get that impression. Judging, judging by <laughs> the ears and the the hair and, and everything, need, needs to come to you. That's whereas it. I'm fully hiding behind everything I'm wearing. It's so true. It's so true. I don't think I ever change my hair without the world knowing about it. Did you get into then copywriting because you were writing, or just because you were you just happened to be good at it? Oh, good question. English was definitely my favorite subject at school. 
Um, but I kind of went down a fashion route um, when I left school. And I quickly discovered that although I enjoyed making clothes and designing clothes, um, the people that were on the course were very different to me. They were very much, um, I mean, this in a complimentary way, really. They were they were very um, into expensive things, um, designer clothes, uh, all the labels. And I was always, uh, I just wanted to kind of mess about and be creative. And, um, you know, they even made comments about things that I wore. And I just thought, I don't really want to be around these kind of toxic people. Um, so then when I went to uni, I split it with advertising. Um, so I did fashion and advertising. And I was the fastest person ever to switch courses to be completely advertising. It was the entry, like, you know, they do like a speech on your first day. And they're like, this is what you can expect. This is what we're going to do. And I was like, this is what I was made for. And since then, writing taglines, coming up with um, sales, writing, like stuff like that, I was just naturally pretty good. And so that's what I leaned into completely. And I've done it ever since, ever since uni, writing, writing, writing. And I love it. Fascinating. I think as well, like that's a very similar story to, I think, what a lot of people have at uni, Mm -hmm. where they, they start a course and you figure out what you don't like. Yes, yeah. You, you dive in with a, a thought of like, this is what I want to do. I want to go and make this thing and do this thing. And then you get there and you realize what everyone else in the industry is like and what everyone else you'll be dealing with for the next 20 years will be. Oh, you're like, that's mm, it. Maybe not. <laughs> what did you do at uni? Uh, so I did uh, film and photography. So I did contemporary lens media. Nice. at Lincoln Uni, which is a course which no longer exists so my degree is now defunct um they, I didn't realize we, it we got eliminated yes they they merged it into media production photography but that's a, that's a but ah. again I, I very much along the same lines I went into uni thinking I want to make films I want to make films and I want to be you know the next whatever Spielberg type thing you know got complex kicking in um, and I got there and I realized I don't care about any of the technical stuff, much like I don't care about grammar rules. But everyone else did. There were so many people who were so into cameras and so into every specific detail. And I was just sat there thinking, well, I have the concept and I love the concept. But that's what I love about it. I don't I don't love the detail stuff. I was exactly the same. We're about the heart, aren't we? Yeah. You're going to blend yeah, out like and dive into the good bit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm exactly the same. That's so funny. Interesting. I, I get. I mean, we, so we're giving away information about ourselves by the by the bucket load at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you were the same back then, but I feel like we were in the generation when we were at university, where like it became a habit to update your Facebook status multiple times a day. It was like Spadge's having a coke. Like Spadge is gonna like looking forward to going out tonight. Spadge is about to go out tonight. Like there was just so every single detail became like public knowledge. <laughs> um and I just it makes me cringe now when you look back at it and it's like, why? Why did we do that? I love getting the the Facebook memories. No, I don't. <laughs> it's 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 because I think I love it because I mean part of it's because I love to cringe at myself. And see see how far you've come as a human being. Oh, right? good to spin it. Yeah. And when when we went to like you say when you started uni, I mean when I started uni, I think Facebook had existed for maybe a year. And I didn't know about it. 
because I was still on MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> then yeah. I got to uni, yeah. and everyone was on Facebook, and they were like, "You have to be on Facebook." So I was like, okay. "Join Facebook." And like you say, the, the first few posts, whenever I get a Facebook memory, every so often one will pop up, and it'll be like, "Graham Cooling is eating a sandwich." <laughs> Graham is in sugar cubes. Why? Why did? Why did? Why do I need to tell? To, why did I need to tell people about that? Why did I feel that that was acceptable to tell totally. people? About that? But everybody else was doing it at least, so at least we weren't just, you know, solo we oversharing. We were herd mentality into this. That's it. I blame everyone else. <laughs> In the podcast, we just blame everyone else. We we're not accountable for our behaviour. Absolutely. Yeah, we're the rebels that usually don't follow everyone else. Maybe that's why. Because we're just tired of doing what everyone else was doing. <laughs> yeah, we're tired, but that's just being in your thirties. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean that's true. Yeah, that's the truth. But do you ever get tired of like having to share everything that you do on Instagram? Like, do you ever yes. think, oh, I just if I post this, people are going to start bothering me? I don't think of it that. So I think so. I mean, well, I'm going to round this into into some sort of topic conversation. So so listen. Oh, sure. Sorry, I'm, I'm not. I'm not just osmosising this um, <laughs> which is the way that we usually go so when we first spoke we, we thought about talking about privacy because we know so little about each other and mm. it's I think we're both very much people who though we post online the things we post aren't particularly personal agreed like we have different personalities in the sense of you really enjoy um kind of public contributions to you and, and and people responding to you i'm very much i want to annoy the public if i put something out it's going to happen but they they can deal with whatever they get when they get out there but the things we post and you know like you say sarah's eating a sandwich graham's eating a sandwich we never give any of that information away so being people who've kind of been in creative industries it does become a struggle of how to balance that and i think especially as well like the roles we have i mean outside of my creative stuff and and you within copyright we we deal with a lot of information which we're not meant to tell anyone very true yeah yeah and so we, i don't know if we're physically ingrained to do that as people mm -hmm. oh, i know what you mean i mean i don't know i think me and you are different in how much we like to i'm gonna say brag like mm -hmm. if um if someone gives me a compliment at work, sharing it is good for my freelance career because it means that somebody else might get in touch and be like, oh, she must be good at what she does because I can't actually share the work because it belongs to the studio that I work for or I've signed an NDA in some cases when it's a product that's being brought out. Um, you kind of have to just post what people say and hope that people believe you. Um, yeah. But is it you're are you fully employed as well as I know you do side projects. Yeah, so I'm fully employed, and then all of this stuff I just do to keep me sane. My gosh. I mean, how do you find the time? That's so much stuff. Well, I don't. That's the truth of it. I, this is, I think this is the, the reality of, of me, is um, not to get too psychological. But, um, no, I love we, it. Yeah, I'm very, very much in the space of this is what I do for fun. This is my enjoyment of life is doing these creative projects, and, and this is all the stuff which I do, I very much do, because if I didn't do it, I'd be the most depressed per the person in the world. And it would be fantastic to do it full time. It would be fantastic to have this as my, my way of employing myself. But at the same time, I see this as the same as someone going to watch the football. 
huh. someone going for brunch. You know, you can go do those things and you can enjoy those things and have those as like a personal moment for yourself. Whereas me, I sit down and I draw. I, you know, I, I, I go create something. I think about things. I, um, you know, I'm reading about what I'm doing next and all these kinds of things. And that's just everyday life for me. Whereas I know obviously across the world that varies hugely. And I think it's, it's a, it's one of those balances, which I try to encourage more people to engage in mm. because they often forget to do this bit. Whereas I'm fully just living in this bit as like a, a token. I mean, it's good that it keeps you sane. I think maybe some people are so exhausted from their nine to five or their mundane. Uh, I mean, they find it mundane. Um, work that they get home and they think I just need to sleep or not look at a computer whereas I love that you're like you know what it's a Saturday I'm gonna call Spag at 10 in the morning like I love that about you you're just like ready to go um to get your creative fix yeah I think it's I think of it a lot like cooking is is the best way you can think about it it's like if if someone has a nine-to-five job and you know they might they might not enjoy their job fully and they get home and they're tired but they'll still time find time to bake on a weekend that's true that's very true they get something enjoyable out of it they make something which they're going to enjoy and they can potentially share with people and i get a strong connection to people through the work which i create and i think of it very much that way it's like this is this will take me an hour two hours maximum but at the same time i'm making something i'm still creating something and i'm having conversations which through the all things within my world so i think that's important but to kind of go back to your original question of if it and if it's kind of posting online is something which I find I'm, I'm not wanting a response from. I find it very much the other way of, I don't expect a response okay. in any way, shape or form. I expect people to ignore it. And it's only frustrating when I'm putting out so many things and it is fully ignored. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I could just be making this in my spare time. I, I shouldn't be posting it online. Yeah, I know what you mean. So do you lose motivation? Because that would make me lose motivation if everyone just ignored me, I think. No, I don't lose motivation. I think I just, I lose, I don't know if motivation is maybe the word. It it encourages me to try different things. Okay. I think that's the way. Just so good at putting a positive spin on things that I would take to heart. Like I need to be more like that, I think. No, I, th- I think I can I definitely see where you're coming from. It's very much mm. one of those things of like, let's say if I did a drawing, I mean, even recently, I've recently released my calendar. We'll be in 2024 by the time this comes out. I released my calendar. Each drawing in that takes two to three hours of my time to draw it, ink it. I have to assemble it. I have to do all the graphic design for it. So you're looking at a calendar, which is at least a few days work accumulated over a few months. And then you put that into the world and you say, hey, I'm selling this product because this is a product. And that's the bit which I hate because it means advertising myself. (laughs) Um, And then obviously, however many orders you get back from that can really impact a lot of people. Mm. Whereas I think of it much more along the lines of, let's say if I didn't sell this. If I just made this calendar in my spare time for me and got it printed would I be as satisfied? And the answer is generally yes. I love that. I love that so much. And you're right. You're doing it because you get the satisfaction of doing a job well rather than how other people find it, right? 
it's it's yeah. less about what the audience will think about it it's more about the satisfaction you get through the process of creating it and if anything i find the end bit frustrating because i'm having to deal with people i'm having to deal with an audience and having to post about it because if i don't people will complain at me <laughs> it's that kind of thing where it, yeah. i always find it interesting when you get a comment which is like oh why aren't you posting this here or why aren't you you know why aren't you what more well known so i think because i don't i just don't care about that part of yeah that i yeah i can't relate <laughs> i feel like you should get as much um acknowledgement and credit for your talent as you can um you know you specifically as well not just the general you um but if you haven't got the right exposure or the right um, the means to like a platform to get that exposure, it for me it feels like a shame because it's such a cool thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, do you want do you ever end up on the other side of that then? Because obviously, you you do post things online and accreditation and all that kind of things of having stuff out there online. Do you fall into the category of kind of? worrying that you might be giving too much away or bothering people oh uh, yeah I definitely do and I think I don't like that about myself either um like I mean it's a bit embarrassing to admit but like even the Instagram grid if you think about how many people visit your Instagram grid rather than just scroll through the feed it's very little right but I am quite um protective of how my grid looks so um I will even come up with an order of how I'm going to post things so that it looks nice once it's posted. And I'm like, okay, I can't post too many of this on one day because it'll annoy people. And I'm like, why am I doing it for other people? Like, I really wish that I just did it for myself because people can always unfollow you. Like if they don't like how much you post, you know, you don't have to follow each other, do you? Um, but I am someone that also notices if my follow account goes down, if I've posted a lot and I'm like, oh, I'm annoying people, I'll stop. And then I'm like, stop doing that because it doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter but yeah good question good question also, it's also i think as well like with with everything online being so behind the scenes it's incredibly hard to know how many people have actually seen what you've posted and i, yeah. I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine because we were talking about instagram stories and how people go through instagram stories or how people scroll feeds and i I flick through it like a kid in the 90s going through TV channels. Oh my gosh. Do you I, like? I'm just literally just like, I'm like cool, cool. Oh my God. And it, it's a tap through. And I'm just like, I'm acknowledging I've seen the post. If it interests me, I'll click a little further. I, and I'll like, I'll give likes to things as I'm going along, but I'm not engaging yeah. with it in like a deep way in any shape or form. Totally. Yeah, Whereas you're not I like know, yeah. judging and every I'm, second of it. Yeah. I know other people like save them. They'll they'll you know they'll send them to the themselves. They'll them like I'm going to pick up with this later and all that kind of stuff. And I yeah. never really do that. But when I do the feed, I do with the feed. I'll save things. I'll I'll go back and it's. I think it's, is especially like some people get really upset when someone doesn't view a story or like a post or one of the posts didn't get as many likes as another post. Yeah, um, it's true. You're dealing with different ways of different people and how they're engaging with. No one is engaging with any platform in one way. It's so, so true. Um, I don't know if your Instagram does this, but I've noticed on some people's, it doesn't tell you the number of likes anymore. It just kind of yeah. says someone and others liked this. I've never had the option to post something like that, really? but I wish that it would give that to me 
because I hate seeing the numbers every time I look at different pictures I posted because like you say you kind of get a bit biased like oh people like a picture of your face like I think the algorithm picks that up more and I don't really like posting selfies because um because I have clients that um it makes me feel weird if like unprofessional clients just go through and just like photos of me and things like that I'm like okay I don't want to give people that weird boundary issue um so I try not to do that too much but if you haven't had a lot of likes for a long time I'm like let me just post a face because that'll get loads of like like <laughs> and you're just like for goodness sake I wish that you didn't have to acknowledge these things yeah it's it's almost like you have to satisfy it every so often yeah exactly that it's an addiction isn't it yeah I, I mean I have I have um so I have a secondary Instagram accounts for various things like my zine, which I, I do, which is like a community zine. Um, those posts never get any traction. They I get think like maybe. Well, there's, there's, I mean, this is the, the pure example of it. I've had this account, Null Point Zines, since like 2017. It has a few hundred followers on it. Each mm. post maybe gets one or two likes. I've never posted a picture of a face on that mm. account. It's always just a shot of the zine and whatever's in the zine. And I, people come along like, oh, why are people liking this? Because the algorithm doesn't respond to this. It sees the it's same so shape true. and image and says, this guy's just posting the same picture every day. So therefore, mm. and I'm, but at the same time, I'm like, well, the whole idea of that account is that my face isn't on it <sighs> because yeah. I'm not there. It's just the thing. And it, 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 it kind of just demonstrates that the platform is in some ways broken on that way. I but do you ever you. find yourself with like an identity crisis of where you, like you're saying, like associating your work with your face and wondering which one is actually making you money? 100%. 100%. And I think so many times I've felt like deleting Instagram completely or different social media platforms completely just to see how much of a difference it would make but then some of my biggest work even this year have been from people that I've met online um even in different countries and I'm just like gosh I don't even really post that much about my work um but I think it just keeps me in people's minds if they if a copywriting job comes up they're like I know a copywriter and if I I think thank god I didn't delete Instagram because I've got two of my biggest clients this year just from people following me um it's wild isn't it it's wild do you think as well like let's say do you think it impacts how you change your appearance Ooh, that is such a good question i think not um in a kind of below clothing level if that isn't a weird thought to think about um but like if I buy some clothing and I'm like that would make a good selfie I maybe do or I'm a big I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to t-shirts um and I love geeky t-shirts that I know other people will uh approve I mean don't judge me on my Bieber jumper (laughs) (laughs) but like um yeah I I really like things that I know other people will like or interact with I think it's all building your own brand really isn't it um, I don't because I it might surprise you, but I don't really leave the house that much. I work from home. Um, you know, I'm in the middle of a, the countryside, so getting a train is a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, yeah. So when I do, when I feel like I need to socialize, it's usually digitally. 
which uh, is easy to put a front on, isn't it? It's easy to kind of be like, okay, this is who I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to wear. This is how I'm going to appear. And I'll clean one room of the house and take all the photos in the clean room. They don't know the rest of the house is a mess. You know, before the call, I cleared up, like I had like all my Christmas I was just about to say, there. like, how much is this? <laughs> how much of this is catered right now? I haven't touched that guitar for probably a year. And it's in every call. So people associate Spadge with like being able to play guitar. Rarely, rarely do I touch it. It's all just a mirage. And then conversely, I just have a guitar <laughs> crap. Yeah, what is that like piles of paper? Um, so there's a mix keyboard. there. So there's <laughs> there's a there's actually a robot vacuum. There's some negatives which I've been I got recently. I need to scan. Um, oh, nice. There is a COVID test, a sketchbook. There's mm-hmm. uh, luggage yeah. tags. It's basically just where I dump stuff when I come from this way, and then I mean, I've got my my air conditioner down there. Um, I'm so glad you got one. You were like boiling to death in the summer, weren't you? I was dying in the summer. I don't quite manage that but yeah it, it's 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 interesting to watch or find out how other people kind of respond to this stuff because I know, I know quite a few creatives who have gone through full full-on like identity crisis of not wanting to change their appearance because they're worried it will affect their brand oh, i see what you mean yeah and it leads to like a, a, a dysphoria of, of things like that i mean i've had the whole conversation we had this conversation at work recently where someone was saying if I came in wearing um like a polo shirt and and beige khakis and boat <laughs> shoes, they'd be worried. <laughs> and I mean I would be worried. <laughs> yeah. If I saw myself in that in a mirror, right, I'd be worried. But if I shaved yeah. my beard and I cut my hair, <gasps> would that sell the product which I sell? Because Ooh. is that relatable to the the messages I'm putting out into the world, or do I have to look like this in order to sell slightly anarchistic stuff? Oh my gosh, that's such a good point. You're like your style really reflects that, like what you do, like a kind of creative. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say the word gremlin, but I don't mean that. In a better, I'm the same. Like I just get <laughs> like a hovel, and I'm just like creative all over the place and uh yeah if you shaved your beard i would be like are you okay like what is happening i remember doing (laughs) streams so i did streams during covid which you may or may have not seen yes i you uh, right okay i have to quickly tell you this i'm sorry if i'm going off topic um so during covid i don't know if you know i was really really ill with it i got long covid and i was one of the first people to get long covid i was bed bound fully bed bound for about three or four months and I struggled to even watch the TV because um, I just had so much inflammation. And my eyes became really sensitive. It was basically ME. Anyway, horrible. You popped up on my phone every single day. I think it was at 2 p.m. Around 2 p.m., yeah, most days. 2 p.m. You went live every day. And I it became my only source of entertainment because I was stuck in bed. And th- I know that's so weird, but like you were one of the only people doing live streams and I was mm-hmm. like every day I knew I'd made it to two o'clock because days drag when you're stuck in bed so much so thank you for streaming because I felt so much less alone honestly honestly they were so good I mean that's very nice because I mean so that was essentially why I did it because I knew people were stuck at home and yeah I'm I'm very comfortable being stuck at home as is the gremlin attitude (laughs) 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 you know it's it's something which i deal with fine and i've been like i worked night shift for seven years so seeing people and not seeing people is just not something in my brain whereas i know a lot of people really struggle with that and it's you know if they don't see people for a while 
And I was like, what can I do in this situation? And it was like, as, as long as I come in every day, it's like having a colleague. It's like having someone you can see, just get a different point of view from. And just That's what you felt like. You felt on. like my colleague when I was stuck. Yeah. Yeah. But so when I was doing that stream, I was um, on multiple platforms across as many places as I could be. And one of them was on Reddit and someone joined on, on Reddit and said, it was asking what I, what I did. And it's like, oh, you know, I do creative stuff, trying not to give too much information away because that's why something I had to really be careful with when streaming, you don't end up like Darkstar or anything like that. Yeah. Um, or someone looking too far into where you come from. But they, they said to me, it's like, you look exactly what I would expect an artist to look like. Oh my God. And I had this weird emotional crisis in myself where I sat thinking, <laughs> do I dress the way I do because I like it and I want it? Or is it because I was sold this as a child and I was told this is what I should look like? <laughs> that is a weird like, thought. Have you come to a conclusion? I just I continued with what I was comfortable with and... Maybe it got, like maybe it got slightly it. worse. I but I mean, do you, I mean, this is a very personal question. Feel free to tell me to shut up. But like, do you feel like you can hide behind all the hair? Hopefully. Yeah I, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen my face in years. Um, I think, when was the last time I was clean shaved? So the last time I was clean shaved was when I was in uni. Wow. And I went to uni at the, the expected time, college to uni. I didn't skip a year or anything. Um, yeah. I started growing my beard around then. And then, yeah, I, I, I kind of just just delve into that. I, I, it's something I'm very easy to hide behind. I don't really foresee a day of me shaving it. Mm. I went, so I shaved my head a few years back. For oh, really? Yeah. I missed that somehow. That. It's about 2017. So about 2017, okay. I, I, I had hair longer than this, and I had had it for 13 years, and I decided to fully shave my head, and I did that. And I was yeah. so worried about it mm. because I had never had short hair in years and years and years. And I did think about shaving my beard at the time. And I no could not bring myself you. to do it. No. Oh, my goodness. How did you find the short hair? How did you feel? It felt better than I expected. I think a lot of, a lot of not to get again, not to go too personal, but I think a lot of this is when I was very young. I experienced a large amount of bullying um, based on appearance. And it was because I had curly hair. I was overweight as a kid. And um, I blush incredibly easily. Oh, my gosh. Can relate. It's like, it's like a thing. Like, I blush incredibly easily. I have very red lips and I have long eyelashes and blue eyes, which led to a lot of criticism from other masculine children. Um, oh. so I mean, when I, I would kill I, for curly hair and red lips. Come on. I've, I've been told that since ch child. It's like every woman would kill for my. Oh, I can see how that's <laughs> hard, like, though, as a man. Yeah. So it's definitely a thing of, of just like, yeah, I can, you know, I can hide behind that. So when I, when I thought about my face and when I thought about my beard, I was like, mm. okay, well, I can't do that because I don't know what my face looks like and I don't particularly want to at this point. But when I shaved my head, I was very worried that it would bring back all those kind of like memories and ideas of being bullied and not know, really knowing what to do with curly hair as a kid mm. i feel like especially for men it's there's a lot of lack of information about what to do with your own appearance so you yeah. just kind of have to figure it out but luckily i think age has calmed my hair a little bit compared to what it was when i was maybe you know nine or ten um mm. so actually it went okay and i had a lot of good support from very good hairs. I mean 
I know a lot of people in their mid-30s that would kill for a head of hair like you. Like, you know, most people are worried about the opposite problem now. (laughs) So, Nat, this is your time. (laughs) This is my defense. When people ask me about why I have long hair, especially older men, and they're like, why don't you get a haircut? And I'm just like, I've got to enjoy it while I can. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that comeback. Yeah, definitely. But you're so right. I mean, your hair is almost adding to your privacy. You know? Yeah. Whereas yours, I mean, you feel like yours may do the same thing. And I don't know if that's a a personal question for yours. No, totally. I think I I tend to go for brighter hair um, or changing my hair to be a little bit more striking if I know I've got a social event coming up because I feel like it's my armor a little bit. Yeah, interesting. I couldn't tell you what your natural hair color is because I've only ever seen you with colored hair. Yep. I don't think I've ever had, I've not had my natural hair colour. I don't even know how long. I couldn't even tell you. But um, do you follow my sister, Rosie? I do, yeah. yeah. So her hair is mostly natural, not far off our natural colour. Um, so I wonder if that's part of it as well, you know, because I, I've always had to share my identity. And I wonder if I'm rebelling against that a little bit by trying to find my own style and never look like Rosie. Not on purpose, she's beautiful. <laughs> but, you know, it's just nice to be known as which twin you are, you know. It would be a very odd sentence if you just turned around and said, actually, no, I don't like it. I don't like Rosie. <laughs> Rosie's hair is There's awful. a much deeper identity <laughs> character crisis going on here than we maybe expected. <laughs> it's so true, so true. But, I mean, it takes me so long. And I think, God, I could save so many hours of my time if I didn't change up my hair so much. It's a bit unnecessary, really. Um, and I always think I'll have a break now. But then after a couple of weeks, I think, nope, I want to change my hair colour again. I think as well, though, like, there's, a, there's an enjoyment of coming out of adjust, adjusting things, though. Especially when you're back. Because we see ourselves every day. Because we, yeah. you know, we wake up. When you do do something slightly different, there's, there's definitely like an endorphin kick in your brain where you're just like, oh, well, this is, this is a different thing for me today. Yeah, it's so true. Which blends into society a little. I don't know. Yeah, it maybe helps motivate me to leave the house a bit more because I'm like, hey, no one's seen this hair in a while because I could quite easily be a recluse. Like I, I find people quite draining. Yeah, I was going to say, have you, have you been in the walls most of your life then? Or is this? Uh, well, I stayed in Lincoln after uni in the centre um, and I was in the centre until 2018. And um, so I only moved into, I mean, I've gone so rural now um the, it's the land of caravans all the neighbors have like caravans that's the kind of uh, people that are um they're so lovely they're so lovely but we definitely don't have much in common um I think they see the tattooed bright-haired girl and are a little bit wary of me maybe a little bit they're so nice but you can just tell that you know we don't really fit in with the functions uh, that happen mm-hmm. around here um and yeah, if I'd known that the pandemic was going to hit and that travel would be a bit harder for me, um, I don't think I'd have come out here. I think I'd have stayed in the centre, definitely. Yeah. You think that's one yeah. of the things which I I enjoyed more than I thought I would about moving? Was mm. I mean, I'm from small town, Scunthorpe, moved to Lincoln, been Funny. in the whole area most of my life. Um, 
But when you came, when you go to a big city, I enjoy the like the anonymity of it all because literally nobody oh. cares. Oh, I didn't think about that. Is like New York the epitome of nobody cares? Nobody cares. They have. Wow. The, I mean, the, the slogan on the subway is "See something, say something," because they will ignore everything. And oh my god! <laughs> it's just a running joke of it doesn't matter what you're doing, um, doesn't matter what condition you're in, doesn't matter what you're wearing. Yeah. Nobody, literally, nobody cares what's going on. Unless you draw like full on, like try and engage with someone. And there's, I've speaking to a friend recently about there's like a rite of passage in New York where you you are crying on a street. Oh like, yeah. If you've cried on the subway or cried on the street, and you can because literally nobody cares. Nobody cares. My God. I, I would. Uh, I mean, I do love that. I think I would find that hard. I think I'd be the person that noticed. I know you can't interact, or I wouldn't want to interact, but I would definitely notice. Have you been? Have you had that rite of passage yet? I haven't had that rite of passage. I haven't, I haven't cried on the subway just yet. I've been very oh. hungover on the subway, but again, I felt like I, I, you know, it didn't matter, and it, it didn't. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I kind of like wear when I go out because there's no one's going to stop and engage with me on that, and it surprises me when people do. Whereas if I went out in like Lincoln or something and I felt a bit rough, or I'd be very self conscious of yeah, I'm, everyone would you know, notice. yeah, someone's going to notice. Someone's going to be looking at me like, who's this guy, you know, this gremlin that's walked into a coffee shop. Why, why is he <laughs> here? And, and I mean, my per- general personality is I don't care anyway. And that's something which I'm quite proud of. But it's, yeah, it's, it's very much a different experience city to city. And maybe this isn't all, you know, the, the barrier isn't needed as much. Mm. The personal question. You know, Lincoln is. Go. Okay. If um, if you're a little bit self-conscious about blushing easily, how is it that you don't care in a good way, but you also blush easily? Because I, I blush all the time, but it's because I'm so self-conscious all the time of what people think. Do you know what I when mean? I was young, when I was younger, blushing was an embarrassment response. Ah, uh, okay. Now, it's just because I'm very warm, warm a lot of the yeah. time. I'm, I've, 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 I've essentially, lack of a better term, deadened this part of me. So responsive over time and trauma and all that kind of stuff has made this just like, I'm very constant. You meet me, I'm extremely constant. That's one of my main traits. Everything else is beneath the surface, but my physical reaction is I've had a, I've had a pint of cider, therefore I'm going to blush. You know, I'm I'm too warm in my coat, I'm going to blush. And that's that's still the physical part, which I can't control. Whereas the emotional part, I have learned to control over years and years and years. years I totally get you. It's purely physical. Yeah. And obviously the beard doesn't grow this far up, so I can't can't feel it. That's true. I have been blessed with foundation that covers my complexion. But you, you know, you'd be a bit um, judged if you did that every day. I mean, I could, again, I, I could probably do that in New York and no one would care. <laughs> just be yeah, like, absolutely. I love to see it. Love to see it. It's just rare around here. I mean, to go back to kind of the question of, of just like public versus online, right? If, mm. if we are both people who essentially use, for lack of a better term, plot armor, you know, narrative descriptors of ourselves to prevent interaction of anything further, do you mm-hmm. find there's a difference with how you interact with people in person? versus online in or are you very much guarded with information in person as well oh oh this is going to be such a difficult question to answer because 
um, anybody that is in my very close circle will be like, oh my God, like Spadro shares more than anyone I know. Like I will tell people the most intimate details. I like, even if I'm at a friend's house, um, <laughs> I'm going to do it now. I'm going to overshare now, but I have a bit of a phobia of closed doors. So I'll use their toilet with a door open. Like I just, I'm so open with people that I'm comfortable with. But if I'm in a room full of um, brand new people or people I don't know that well, I am definitely the silent listening kind of want to shrink down kind of person um and sometimes I have to put on a bit of a front to be I try to act confident when I don't feel it sometimes how about you that's a really good question I think I'm I'm, I mean I'm very much a I can adapt my personality to the situation I'm in you know yeah oh yeah I can I can force myself into a public situation and and just deal with it and in my brain all I have to do is tell myself that I have to do this if I don't do this something will go wrong so, you know, I like you, he's going to a shop you've never been into before. I'm like, cool. I have a, a check mark in my head, which is, is the one thing I have to do in this shop. Once that's done, it's done. And then it makes everything else easier to deal with because I know mm-hmm. that once I've done that thing, I can leave if I want to. But if I get in and I find out it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, great. You know, we can move on through that. But I'm, yeah. I think I'm a bit of a troll with information at times, or I enjoy playing with people in some capacity oh, oh gosh <laughs> because I, I i i think information is very valuable and I, i'm like, like this i actually translate this into my work so i have such a fear of making artwork which is too obvious and making okay. something which i look at and i look at it and i think this is just a really obvious thing and this didn't need to be made why did i make it someone's going to look at this and think this is dumb so I won't make it. So I just I just move on. So I try to obscure clean information. And I try to put everything behind layers of other stuff and concept-based and all that kind of stuff. So when I meet people, I do a lot of the same thing. And I think it's because I think people appreciate information more now in a world where we have all the information when they have to work for it. Oh, my gosh. This is deep levels of... <laughs> coercion (laughs) but like that I had no idea that you um put so many layers into it like that that's so interesting about you as a person that you're uh I think what's the right word um when you're thinking about how other people are observing it when you're making it like that's such a, a future level of thinking do you know what I mean I think it's it's one of those things of I I think I've I for years, I didn't notice I did this. I, mm. didn't, I wasn't even aware I was doing it. And then I, I was looking at something and someone had asked me about it. Like, what, what is this? What does this mean? And I, I think I, it took me a good 10 minutes to explain the thought process behind everything. And now I'd gone from one thing to another. And then I'd, I'd changed that and I've changed that. And I was like, but it all links back to this one core point. And they were, they were saying, oh, well, I get that now because of like you explained it in the title and everything like that. And that's what I want. I want... I want people to engage with a level of effort of interest. And I think subconsciously I do that to myself as well. As an example I can give recently of, obviously I've met new people once I moved here and colleagues and they ask you about your life and what you're into. And I don't have a clean answer for the things Mm -hmm. which I enjoy because I enjoy so many things. And someone asked me when my birthday was and I wouldn't give them the date 
So but then someone else asked me what I'm allergic to, and I said I'm allergic to amoxicillin. Okay. So I'm completely willing to give away technical information about myself. I mean, that could save your life, so that's a good one. Which could yeah. save my life, but yeah. I will not give you something which the government knows or is on a personal day. Because I'm like, if you have to put the legwork in and go out and find out more about me, you'll be much more satisfied by it, and you'll you'll probably remember it in some way slightly more that's actually so true i feel like the more effort someone puts in the more likely they are to remember the reward right yeah it's like i can't get over the fact that you know that about people and that's what you put into your work like that's brilliant so when so how did you actually realize that's what you do was it a feeling of when someone says um so what is this about did you realize how happy that made you you were like yeah "Yeah." i think it was it's very much (laughs) of if i'm if I make something and someone's kind of see, cause I, I, I try, always try to do it from two points of view. One, I want it to be engaging. I want it to be something that someone can look at and they find it visually engaging, whether it's because they find it cute, scary, whatever. There's that visceral reaction, but yeah. I also want that layer beneath the visceral reaction for them to, to want to know more, to look at it and then look at the title and go, well, why is it called that compared to this? Cause what I'm seeing doesn't reflect this and vice versa. And I, yeah. I had such an enjoyment out of watching people problem solve and try to solve the puzzle. Got because, And I think it's because I do it so quickly in my own world. If I look at things and I'm automatically reading all the layers of what's going on mm. just on a natural basis. And I realized that not everyone does this and I think more people should. So therefore everything I make has to have that layer of just extra. See, the copywriter in me now wants to kind of write you a tagline that, you know, it, that is like loves to create chaos, loves to create confusion, like wants you to solve this puzzle. Like, I think that's such an appealing layer of your work that I didn't know about. And I think it, it's great if you kind of publicize that about yourself. That would be brilliant. And that's the conflict because I won't publicize this about myself. Because you My don't actually on... care about it. <laughs> Well, it's because again, I want people to I want people to figure that out on their own. And got you, and you'd be telling like, them otherwise. My business card on oh. uh, it says "art, nonsense, yeah. and other bad decisions." Oh my gosh, <laughs> perfect, absolutely perfect. That's that's all my business card is. It says "art, nonsense, and other bad decisions." It's got a QR code which I think takes you to a website. I can't quite remember. That and, is brilliant. But to trying trying to explain that to anyone in a quick, concise manner. Whereas, you know, you obviously we live in a world where it's, you have to publicize and advertise and make money from things. I went to an event and someone was like, oh, why don't you go network? And I'm like, cause I have no idea what to say to these people. I don't know how to converse yeah. quickly. That's why my podcasts are half an hour long. <laughs> Absolutely. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Like I don't have enough time to tell you who I am. <laughs> Which sounds incredibly pretentious. Of like, oh, I'm no, too no. for that. But I think every single that could be said for every single person in the world. You can't possibly know someone from a thirty-second showreel, you know, even thirty minutes. I mean, I feel like I've learned a lot about you in the past hour, but like, um, it's taken a lot of very deep questions that I think some people wouldn't have even wanted to talk about, mm. you know. But again, like we will, we've learned a lot about you, but very little about you at the same time. What, like right now? Your personal information is very protective about your life and, and what you the do. Same with yours. We only know that you have a November birthday. That's all we know. I exist somewhere in November and I live somewhere <laughs> within the world. And that's as much information as people need to know about me. 
That's it. That's it. You ever have, have you ever had the thought of because I think this this is a conversation which comes up quite a lot of people who do overshare. When you first meet them and they tell you everything about their lives, within 10 minutes, you know, their family structure, their favorite food, their favorite film, everything like that. Do yeah. you ever get the thought of what's the benefit of you knowing this about me? I personally don't because right. all of those things change a lot for me. Um, like if you ask me what my favorite movie is today, it could literally change in the next two hours. I'd be like, oh, actually, this film is even better than that. Like I... Um, films are such an interesting one for me because I love films and they change with my mood a lot and um, same with color you know like when people talk about dating they're like I just cannot tell anyone else my favorite color like what does it matter what does your favorite color matter ever and like if you say for example my favorite color is blue like maybe that's if you're thinking about what kind of color mug you'd want not kind of what you'd want a whole room to be uh, you know I hate that question I hate that question. <laughs> Please don't ask anyone that question. Um, <laughs> oh, actually, um, next. <laughs> Do you think that it's well, there's, like a, there's like an element there of not wanting people to jump to conclusions? Very true. Very true. Yeah. Where it's like you release information and therefore, like you say, you know, you tell someone your favorite color, your favorite film, they're instantly making assumptions about the rest of your life and trying to apply that formula to the rest of your life. Yeah, that's so true. Or even if they ask you, um, like your favorite food, it might not mm. be the same the next day. You couldn't live off that one favorite food forever, you know? Yeah. But it does build your brand, doesn't it? Imagine if everyone in the world had one public page on the internet where they were asked these questions and that's kind of what represented them. I guess that's what a dating profile is, literally. Like you're trying to sell yourself in one page. And I can see why people struggle with that because everyone has the same thing. Oh, I'd love to travel. Like it's like, we're not all clones. We're all so different. And we have such different important morals in life that don't get spoken about. So this is going deep, isn't it? <laughs> but you know people are fascinating and you can't learn everything about them from even their instagram which from my experience a lot of people i know look very happy on instagram and aren't happy in real life and i think that you can't really trust what anyone writes online so even if you're not a private person what can you believe exactly and i think like you say i think we're not clones as people but i think platforms and the requirement to expose yourself online mm. it gives a reflection of everyone being the same it, like you say it's like you you know your dating profiles the amount of dating profiles i've been through which are i like to travel i like this i like this and the pictures are all the same they're a person yeah. at an event they're a person with an animal they're a person with this that, the other. The you sit, <laughs> behind the other side and you, you start thinking there's got to be more to you as a human being you are not this this is a very very small part of who you are as a human being and i think yeah. like instagram does exactly the same it's so heavily curated it's so heavily minutiaed i mean mine's an example i recently made a, a personal instagram to separate myself from my, my work because i was like i don't need to post all of this stuff yeah i'm glad do. you did because like you say if you're only posting about your work um you know you're missing other aspects of your life that people are interested in I think anyway you're always going to go one layer deep yeah totally and just you know drip feed it now and then <laughs> give them a little bit of information 
Do, do you talk to your family regularly? Yes and no. We we I think this is also a trait of my family. I think mm -hmm. we are a very private family in the sense of I probably couldn't tell you when I've spoken to my aunts and uncles in the last couple of years, other than just passing, like they arrive, we say hello, you know, we're very cordial. Um, mm. Me and my brother, who I, I, you know, my brother, we go through this conversation of we will talk and we will talk about very trivial things. And he knows mm. this as well. It's like we talk about the things we enjoy. And it's kind of like that line from High Fidelity, which is along the lines of the best things which you best conversation you ever have is where you're talking about the things which you just enjoy the films you like the music you like and we'll talk about non-trivial stuff for hours mm -hmm. without saying anything mm -hmm. and we do that a lot in our family and i'm the probably the linchpin of breaking that every so often because i know we do that as a family and i will have a deep conversation with my dad or a deep conversation with my brother but we don't do that often that's like once a year Maybe not even that. Wow. Yeah. That is interesting. Is it the same in your family? I mean, I guess it's different for you, maybe, because you are a twin. And I feel like yeah. maybe it's It's, um, I would say my family are very similar in the fact that we almost, you can almost tell that we're all putting on a bit of a front in a, like, everything is fine, everything is good. We're not really like a... Uh, even a, a very huggy family but um having met other families <laughs> and they all have like these what shared whatsapp groups and stuff where they're like telling each other they're up to, I'm like how do you have a shared whatsapp with your family if I don't post something on my social media my family don't know about it because they they don't really ask um but my sister is the exception me and my sister we will I will tell her every minute detail about anything um, but I think that's just because we're so similar and we've spent so much time together, even the same uni, the same city, you know, we're still only 20 minutes apart, um, <laughs> literally born that far apart and we live that far apart. So, um, we're still very close, but, uh, I find it so interesting at family gatherings, people only ever ask me about things that I have posted. If that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They were like, Oh, so yeah. you did a wreath making course. And I'm like, yeah, that was like one thing that I posted about 10 things that I didn't that were way more impactful to my life. But, you know, you just keep it to yourself. I find that fascinating that our families don't don't know us that well. I watched yeah. the podcast with you and your brother um, yeah, and it was very entertaining, but not very deep. Like you say, it's all sort it's, of this it's stuff. So, it's so interesting. Yeah, we're we're we like, I mean, kind of just like you're saying we so I mean my parents aren't social media people so they they you know but my mom became more social media to keep an eye on what me and mom were up to because she couldn't <laughs> get information out of us because she'll ask us what we've been up to and neither of us will say anything like yeah no I haven't really been doing much we've done loads yeah, like there's <laughs> been a whole life lived in the gaps in between seeing one another but we we just yeah. don't talk about it and we're at an extent where think like people will die in our family and it won't get mentioned until a few months yeah. later. We're like, oh, did you know such and such person? Like, I had no idea that happened, mom. Like, 100%. Yeah. Or like, have you ever found out about major surgery just because you popped in and they're like, oh, yeah, oh, he yeah. just had major surgery on his face. And you're like, excuse me? <laughs> like, a text would have been great, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, blows my mind.
Blows and, my mind. Like you say, you meet other families who are in, you know, matching pajamas every day and, and yeah. following, <laughs> doing the Facebook updates on sandwiches still. And you, it, there's no in between. Yeah. And they look at you like you're insane and you look at them like they're insane. And you think, this is just, is this how we became? <laughs> so sometimes if I've not been posting for a while I think I better post something so that my family know I'm alive (laughs) I call it proof of life posting there you go (laughs) this is I I do it after I've been been out for a night and every so often I'll text my mom and it'll just be a picture of me but this is proof of life yeah I'm I'm okay I'm here I mean that must be even more for you because you're so far away I mean this is the thing if I didn't if I didn't feel somewhat obligated, I probably wouldn't tell anyone what I want to. The yeah. idea of just existing in the world and not having to update on one is, 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 sounds amazing to me. It does sound amazing to me too. <laughs> this, yeah, I mean, this title, The Privilege of Privacy, is what came to my mind. I was like, sometimes I just want to throw my phone into the sea. And it would be so much better. But at the same time, no one would check in otherwise. It does make it difficult meeting new people. Though. It when, does. Especially when, when it's a requirement to make some sort of level of friends and work as well for me it's been such a big help so I, yeah I shouldn't I shouldn't complain but it does feel nice to have a bit of quiet time it's always important to have quiet time and then if they get information they worked for it so they feel better about it and they feel like they achieved something I'm just giving yeah. opioids to the masses <laughs> oh my god you shouldn't joke about that it's a big problem I mean, especially here. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's... I've heard really bad things. We can give you, you know, holistic opioids through. That's that's true. Yeah, we're being metaphorical. Absolutely, they place a like on Instagram. That's our opioid. <laughs> yeah, I, I will do that. I will happily. I because I, I I'm aware of how other people respond to things. I will happily like something because I know it's going to make them feel good. Yeah, that's, absolutely. Yeah. It might have not meant anything to me as a post. And I, this is actually something I find within the creative industry, which is interesting, is mm. knowing your friends, friends create things and knowing people you meet create things or people you network it with and they create things and still supporting them, even though you may not like the thing that they're making or you yeah. may not buy the thing that they're making. And I think yeah. that's it's like an extra level to privacy online where you, you're kind of you're engaging with the fakeness of it all. It, oh my gosh when I published my first book mm-hmm. I sold like 500 copies of it because everyone that knew me was like supporting me even if they didn't read some people said I've never read a book before but I still bought it um, and I knew the ones that had because there was a picture of my nipples in it and my boss bought it at the time and I was like she's definitely going to mention the nipples if she reads it mm-hmm. and the first thing she said was I know a lot about you now <laughs> I was like thank you so much um but you're right some people support because they they care about you and they want you to keep creating even if it's not relevant to them yeah I mean I like your work more now that I know your story behind it that you're trying to be misbehaving <laughs> that's that's my problem because I I, I get everyone one by one at the start of the podcast I've done 200 episodes at this point so <laughs> yeah my gosh we're very much I used to listen every single week and now work has been so busy and I can't listen to stuff while I write because I end up typing what I listen to so I only get to listen to yours when I'm like doing my makeup or my hair and it takes so much more time to listen to it so I hope you appreciate the the viewage I I do I appreciate (laughs) 
and I also found just found out a way to get myself free freely transcribed I just give it to you absolutely absolutely I would love to help that more accessible in every way Mm anytime but yeah I think I don't think there's a clean answer to privilege or privacy there definitely isn't and I don't know about you but I go through mood swings sometimes I'm so glad the internet exists and sometimes I think god I would like a month break you know I think it's in some ways I think it's easier for our generation because I, I got thinking about this earlier is that I fully accept I have no privacy online in terms of key bits of information because we gave that all away when we signed up for stuff like Facebook and MySpace and we ticked terms and conditions because we were 13, 16. We were like, yeah, I want this amigo <laughs> of myself. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we just subscribed to that. And so everything we've posted for the last 20 years has been collected, sold to somebody. And I think I, yeah. I'm very comfortable with that because I'm so protected with my information. And it's like, there's nothing I can do about it. It's kind of like the world's ending. At this point, we're along for the ride. And in person, I think that's, it's just, it's just there, you know, world's, world's over. We're just yeah. entertaining ourselves. Um, and I think there's, there's very much a level of that, whereas I think younger generations, they're more aware of what they're giving away, mm-hmm. but in some ways don't have a choice because they're still being forced to engage with all so they're they're they know the terms and conditions they know what they're giving up they know they're giving the privacy and they're almost being forced into signing up for it because that's become the new normal you don't want to get left behind if you don't exactly yeah i'm so glad that we without facebook uh, yeah i mean i do feel really glad that we made it to 20 really without having to live online I remember rushing home from college and going straight on MSN messenger like I would go literally from seeing all my friends in the day to talking to them all night and I mean our typing skills I think I read somewhere that our generation has the fastest typing skills whereas the current generation are faster at texting on their phones we are we can like type on a keyboard faster than anyone and it makes sense because of all that MSN we were there in Yahoo chat finding out all strangers (laughs) Shout out you. <laughs> I think that's, that's actually a good point of as well. Like we we're we're fairly distrustful as a generation of people. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's because we had to learn online um what's the word, etiquette much quicker than anyone else. We were we were yeah. put into a world where everyone was a stranger and you you we all saw things and did things we we, we regret. And there's the internet which exists for that. And we go, okay, cool. So now every situation we engage with is there's a level of, um, I don't trust you just yet. Yeah, cautious all the time. Yeah. Whereas everyone else after us entered a world where all this information was online and they can find out things. So they're quicker Mm. to trust because they can just Google it. Yeah, although does that make them lazy? Because everything is Googleable. We had to kind of learn to remember stuff the old-fashioned way with hard work. Plowing through books, you know? Plowing through books. But yeah, I think there's also a level of like gullibility to it as well, I think, where because they think all the information's online, they believe it. Whereas we, again, we grew up in that generation of knowing stuff was fake. Anyone can type anything, really. And we don't believe the true things we find out. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's true. You have to convince us really hard before we believe you. have you. to be convinced. Did you um, see, ever see Die Hard 4? This is like fresh in my memory, but that made me so um, cautious of technology and the fact that like someone had rigged his computer. So when he pressed enter, it was like a bomb. Even today, anytime I press the enter button, I'm just like, I know it would never happen. <laughs> but it's just like in your memory is like technology is crazy. You can shut down cities with it. You know, I, scary. I think the film, film which did for me was Fifty First State. And there's it's, it's, it's a, like a where they like track a guy and he doesn't know they're tracking him and they do it by like swapping his shoes out and his shoes got like a chip in it and all this kind of oh stuff yeah. and i think i watched it and i was like okay if they're thinking of this now and this is a film the government can definitely do this this is a thing. yeah so i just accepted you know if they I'm come and take me, away, take me away oh my gosh like even when you watch programs like hunted and cctv mm. picks people up everywhere you're just like you literally yeah. can't go anywhere without being watched It'll make you super paranoid thinking about it too much. Now Especially in New York. There are cameras everywhere out there. <laughs> That's why every so often you have to look at the camera and you're like, I'm here. This is all the information you need to know about me. Uh, <laughs> if I've said anything hyperbolic, I'll see you in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I think this is a good point to end on in terms of scaring the public. Uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> Watch your back, question. people. <laughs> I have I have two questions to end this out with. Usually I only have one, but I've expanded it out this year. So I Oh, okay. So, okay. So the first one is, so you think about yourself now, and I mean, obviously we just discussed a lot of things. Is this what you wanted to do when you grew up? Oh, I love that question. 100% yes, but I would say that I didn't know it when I was younger. I think if I put on paper the things that I wanted when I was older, it was it was to work for yourself, to work on projects that help either make the world a bit better or are really fun or you really, really are passionate about. Work with great people um, and have your own schedule. Being a freelancer, I can work in my pajamas and still do incredible work. Like it was always what I wanted to do. And if I won the lottery, I would still have to write like a bit like how you're saying creating art like and how how else could you summarize your perfect job if it's what you'd still do if you were a millionaire you know I'm really happy with what I do I feel very lucky to say that as well the pandemic didn't really alter apart from my health it didn't really alter my ability to do what I was doing every day anyway so that's so nice yeah good question yeah, I, I, I was when I was at the start of the year. I was like, I need a, I need a couple of questions to go out on. And I was like, I feel like everyone I speak to, because obviously the people I speak to are generally very passionate about the thing that they're doing. Mm. And I like to, I, I almost feel like it's a check in for people to be like, is this actually what you want to do? But also for people who have completely deviated from what they originally wanted to do when they were a kid, I think it's, yeah. it's like a nice reminder that you know it's not a clear plan. It's just what you figure out. Some of my some of my favorite people are lost, yeah. you know, and I love that. I mean, e- even you're saying you have a lot of different hobbies in different places. Um, you're kind of passionate about a lot of things. So just because you haven't got one clear passion, it it's almost more fun that way, you know. Lost and browsing. Do you? Yeah. Do you love it as well? You're happy. I wouldn't say happy, but I'm not hateful. <laughs> 
not going to give us that satisfaction, are you? That's personal information. (laughs) (laughs) On a scale of one to ten, where is the happiness? I don't, I I mean, this is a a deep conversation, which I've had on other times. I don't think happiness is achievable as as a thing for me personally. I think content is the goal. And if I'm content, okay, then I'm comfortable okay. and, and I'm very content. I'm content with I'll life. Take that. I'll take a, a high content level. Yeah. yeah. I think happy's a bit of a misnomer. But that, I did a whole podcast on it. You can watch it. Oh, okay. How long ago was that? Not too long ago. I think it, it's called um, We Were Missold Happiness. I know the exact one you're talking about. I'm going to revisit that because I'm interested in this. <laughs> but, but my last question of the day as well is, um, who should I speak to next? Ooh. That is also a great question. Do you ask everyone that? Or is this one that's that. new? No, no, no. This is, I asked everyone this last year. And I got quite I got, got, got a lot of good guests out of it. Because I, I think mm. as well, like, I was like, I feel like this should be a semi-chain letter-esque. Because then yeah, even the that. guests I get are even more random. I mean, I pick people, obviously, based on my interests and people I know. But I was like, I would engage with people I wouldn't yeah. normally engage with. Oh, man. I feel like I'm going to offend people. I mean, for my own personal intrigue, I would love you to talk to my sister. That would be brilliant if you could get the other twin and um, really highlight how different we are. Um, or maybe we'd be weirdly similar. You would have to be the judge of that. I would like to nominate. (laughs) Can you imagine? Have you had twins before? Separately? Yeah, twins. (laughs) Neither separately nor together. (laughs) I would love that. If you could, yeah. She's a very creative artist. Um, She's very passionate about mushrooms. Like, you know, to an obsessive level. Yeah, brilliant. Some impressive mushrooms as well. Yeah, so really just, like I don't feel like I could find them in the forest. I don't know how she does it. Like, because I was walking with her multiple times, and she's seen yeah. something that I would have completely missed or dismissed it for a bit of fruit on the floor, or you know, there was one called an orange peel mushroom. She was so excited, and I thought that was literally orange peel. Like I would have walked past it. So she's got better yeah. eyesight. Clearly, that's one thing she's got. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, yeah, great question. I can have roses a list, and if there's anyone else you think of, you can let me know. Thank you so much. I would love to send you a list of people I think are very interesting. Yeah. Big, small. I can always try and contact them, because the worst they can do is just ignore me. That's true. That's true. How many of these do you do a month? Is it one a month? So, actually, that's changing this year. I mean, I will oh. already announce this. So, previously, the schedule for the mm. podcast was uh, three times a month I did an episode. And I'd, I'd sandwich it. So I would start with a guest and then a solo and then a guest and solo. And it would play out. So every month was also kind of slightly different. Some months it would be more solo, some months it would be more guest. But this mm-hmm. year, because I want to engage with some other projects which I want to do and have a bit more kind of like time and planning, I'm only mm-hmm. doing two episodes every month, one with a guest, one solo, and it'll be every two weeks. Okay, I like that. So you're one of 12 this year wow that is great yeah see how it goes really interesting thank you for coming on thank you so much for having me hopefully we haven't given away too much private information but um (laughs) i'm pleasantly surprised yeah good we'll see what happens when we get to the end of that absolutely let's see what questions people ask
and we will talk to these people later. Mm -hmm.